Okay, it's just a card. Okay, it's a copy of a green card. Okay, we changed it up a little. If you're a nitpicker for details, you'll have a field day with this one. But I asked Lauren to produce this card so we could pass them out to everybody to make a point. Simple point is this. We are all residents in the United States. And we Texans would say, and the state of Texas. We're residents here. We belong here. We love our, the government principalities around us. We believe they are the best in the world. But I do not want you to leave this place this morning without the affirmation in your heart that you are sure that though you love all of those entities, that your first loyalty is to the kingdom of God. That we are residents, first of all, in the kingdom of God. That's where our final loyalties lay. I know this is tough land because occasionally once you are a resident of the kingdom of God, you're going to be sticking out like a sore thumb. You're going to be an American who doesn't always agree with the actions your country takes. You're going to state clearly that though the laws of the state may bound people to do some things, the laws of the state, even of this great country of ours, are not more powerful in my own life than are the laws of God in the Holy Scriptures. I will not set them aside for anybody's government. I am not waiting on anybody's government to deliver me and to keep me safe. Though I love this country dearly, I bleed red, white, and blue, and orange. <laughs> that would be in the burnt orange favor. But I'm clear, as patriotic as I am, that my patriotism must never exceed my loyalty and my commitment to the work of the kingdom of God. So if the country makes some laws that are antithetical to the purposes of the kingdom of God, I will in good conscience follow the rules of God. Whatever may result from that will just have to result from that. So if they enter into battle for causes that seem unjust to me, and I'm sure they're unjust, certain they're unjust, and not certain that I'm just pig-headed, then I will be against such actions. The first claim on my money will be actually what it says on the dollar bills we share. My first trust is in God. My protector is God Almighty. I'm glad to have the Army. I'm glad to have the Coast Guard, the Navy, the Marines. Don't want me to forget anybody, the Air Force, and everybody else out there protecting me. But my main number one protector is the Lord Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of God and intercedes for me and my faultiness day by day and moment by moment. When you go to visit another country, which I'm about to do, it seems a little different, right? It's because even though you're in their world, you're not really of it. That's what Jesus was talking about. If you go on to read through chapter 17 in the sixth, the second triad of scriptures in that chapter, you will see Jesus making very clear that even though the disciples are not are in this world, he does not ask God to take them out of this world. But even though they are in this world, he does not want them to become of this world, lest they should stumble and fall and lose the joy of their faith and their oneness with the Father. Be clear, that's what Jesus is praying about here. For oneness as he and the Father shared. For oneness such as he and the disciples to share, to continue on in the time to come. That it would, be pri it would have priority in their lives and would be their guiding thought. And mission in this world. We're about to go on a family trip to celebrate a wedding of one of my nephews. 
You know, sometimes weddings are a good excuse to eat out. You know, how many times you eat out going on the way to a wedding, right? Well, we're going to eat out. We're going to eat out in Spain. Now, that's what I call dining out. I'm a little worried about that because I'm a pretty plain person. And I'm going to be caged up for about 10 days with all my immediate family and their spouses and kids. That, that concerns me because they don't all eat healthy. Some of them are not eating bread now or wheat or any of the normal things that God gave us to eat. I know you go, no, I'm not giving you equal time. I don't have enough today. Sorry, dear. When I get to this country, I got a feeling they're all going to be speaking whenever they don't notice strangers around in a language I won't understand. It's going to feel a little weird. I've been to Moscow. It was nothing stranger in my life than to walk into a different country where every word spoken and every word written meant nothing to me. And very few people were speaking English, even at McDonald's. It just felt weird. I felt, because I was, like a foreigner. I was in a world, but I was not of that world. And I could not possibly become so in a short time I was going to be there. Different languages, people look different. People have different laws. They have different customs. Some of them drive on the wrong side of the road. They eat things that sometimes I wouldn't put in my body, and they like it. That's even more weird. What if we wanted to live in a different country and stay there? It's one thing to go there and visit and know everybody's looking at you a little weird when you're doing things not according to their customs. But it's different if you go there and decide to stay, decide to become a resident of that country. Then you begin to learn their customs. You begin to learn their language. You begin to learn their habits. You begin to learn the things that they do that are different from your past customs and history. And as you begin to do that, you realize that little by little, your foreignness begins to get away. Although if you go to certain countries where you look so much different, you will always appear to be a foreigner, even if you're not. How do we handle being foreigners? Because you see, even though I was born in Texas, Dallas, Texas, even better, though I've lived in the United States all of my life, Except for a few weeks here and there. Though I love them both dearly, I am a foreigner. I'm a foreigner in my own country. Because much of what people in this country believe who are not Christians, they're free to believe as Americans, but their beliefs are not part of my beliefs. They don't look at life the same way I do. They don't live life the same way I do. They don't even think like I do often. That's a problem for me because, you know, I really like to fit in. I'm one of those persons who likes to be liked by everybody. I'm one of those persons who likes almost everybody I meet, even some of you weird people. <laughs> I just like people. So it's very natural for me to want to just mail into the group of the people I'm with. But sometimes that's just not possible because I'm a foreigner in my citizenship is in the kingdom of God. I do love my country and my state, but my first loyalty is the God who saved me and who will be with me forever. So my question is to you, how do we survive as foreigners in a strange land? 
My first question, though, is to ask you, is it a strange land for you? Now, I'm speaking softly because this is painful. We identify ourselves with our country, and we're proud of our country. We're proud of our government, and we should be. We're proud of our state. We're proud of all that they mean. And when anybody says anything negative about our country or state, the hackles continue to raise on the back of our necks. But let us remember that sometimes we act like we are more proud of our nation and its ways than we are of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's been more than one time I've preached sermons in congregations where somebody said, Preacher, you're getting too political with your sermon. I said, Really? said, yes. And I said, did you listen to the text where it was read from the scripture? Did you listen? God has a priority for the poor and the suffering. A priority. It's clear in scripture. We may not like it, and at times we may feel uncomfortable with it, but God is not. Because I follow my Savior... When I run into somebody who's looking to take up money because they're hungry, I feel a pull to give them something. And you say, don't you know that's a scam? Well, you think I'm stupid? Don't answer that. <laughs> I'm not dumb. It may be a scam, but it may be they're actually hungry. And it may be that they're hungry because they've done all kinds of sinful things, but they're still hungry. Can I carry money around in my wallet when somebody looks like they're starving and not offer them something? Can you? Some of you are going, sure, I pass them all the time. I'm fixing to go to a place. They tell me that the streets are filled with beggars. It's going to be an interesting challenge. My money won't last long there if there are too many beggars and if I don't look away. How do we survive, survive as a foreigner? First of all, we have to embrace our foreignness. If we belong to God's world, how we think, the values we have, how we approach life, they must be different even from many of our country's ways. Capitalism's goal is to make all the money you can so that you can better your life and make your life as good as it possibly can be. It's based on a principle of greed. Don't get me wrong, I'm a pretty good capitalist. Go home and look at the stuff I have in my garage. It's filled with stuff I don't need. I like to buy, too. I like to have stuff. My wife thinks I'm still suffering from my parents being brought up in the Depression because I like to have extras of everything. Not one can of deodorant, you should always buy two. Not one two toothpaste, you never know when you'll need an extra one. Everything you buy, you ought to have an extra one. She thinks I'm weird. I waste a lot of space. All right, so I am. I'm a little weird that way, but I don't like to run out of stuff. But I want to be sure that when the plate passes me by in worship, I'm not so hungry for stuff that I refuse to claim my citizenship to God by putting my tithe in the plate and even more. If I am that tied to my stuff, then I'm following the ways of this country and not the ways of my Lord. I want to be sure that whenever I pray, I don't just pray for myself, but rather I pray kingdom prayers, praying for others, praying for God's work, praying for the movement of the kingdom, praying for the movement of the spirit, 
not just for what Doug wants or Doug needs. Don't get me wrong. They're always there on that list. But we need to be praying for others primarily, even as our Lord Jesus did. If we are going to be citizens of that kingdom, we have to think differently. I want to think differently. I'm always thinking about how the church can reach and touch those that do not know the church. And one of the ways we can do it is to act and think and behave like the foreigners that we are. We must not always look like our neighbors. We must make different choices for different reasons. Because if not, they will look at us. And when we tell them we go to church, they'll say, oh, well, good, great. Because half of the world's running around saying, I'm a Christian. Well, why do I see you leaving every Sunday morning to go play golf? I said I was a Christian. I didn't say I was a fanatic. Everybody knows that I need my time off and I need to go to play golf or go to see the ball game or to go to the lake or to do whatever their thing may be. But if I think differently as a Christian, I know I need to worship. That's my priority. And I need to worship regularly. I'm not being legalistic about any of these things. I'm just saying that if our life looks so much like our neighbors who aren't even bothering to go to church, much less tell anyone about Jesus, then we probably have a problem and we're probably not very foreign. We might be more American than we are Christian, and that troubles me. It's always troubled me. And I hope it troubles you. One of the ways that we survive as foreigners, we embrace our foreignness. Secondly, we seek God's protection. Verse 11 makes that clear. He's praying for the disciples that God would protect them. Said again in 1 John 2, 15, that at least one of the things I think was on Jesus' mind is he wanted God to protect them as he had been protecting them from the ways of the world. In fact, 1 John 2, 15 says, do not love the world or anything in it. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have loves in the world. It means that compared to your love for Christ and his kingdom, they're not comparable. Is that true in your life? It's a big question. It's an unsettling question. But we ask God to protect us from becoming too keyed in to the things of this world. I could start listing things, but I'd make you all really uncomfortable. And I might even get on a topic that made me uncomfortable, and I hate to do that. But when sports become so important, oh, my word. People are taking their six-year-olds and spending a fortune on them because they're going to be the next pro athlete of some sort or another. Don't get me wrong. I, you know I love sports. I love sports. Did I say I love sports? I love sports. It seems like the safest thing to attack. I could have attacked something else, couldn't I? I could have attacked the size house we live in. I could have attacked how much money we give to other nations. I could have attacked so many things. I just mentioned sports because it's so obvious in our world today. I love sports. But I don't want sports to ever be more important to me my Lord is. I love fitting in, but if my culture adopts a morality that is not my own, I cannot adopt that same lifestyle for myself. I cannot have standards that are not scriptural. I must, and I spent my life trying to learn to think about what scriptural means, and I know it's complicated. It's not always simple. But we must seek God's protection so that we will not be tempted by the one who's trying to attract us 
with everything around us to pull us away from our first loyalty. Finally, one of the ways we can survive as foreigners in our world is we can hang out with a community of foreigners. <laughs> you know, one of the things we noticed in school is my wife came home and was talking about it when some segments of the population began to move into a certain segment in Frisco, Texas. The next thing you know, other houses that came up for sale in that area were being bought by people of that same nation of their, of their birth. And then what turns out is that as people came into the town and they had connections that extended far and wide, when they ended up in the same city, they would clump together because they felt safer. They felt better. They could talk about these strange Americans probably in a better way. Uh, how do we get along in Frisco, Texas? How do we survive? We come together with foreigners, people of common interest who are like us trying to figure out the country we live in. I think, they, I think it's natural for them to find their strength in that way, especially in the beginning. That's why when somebody tells me I'm a Christian but I don't need to go to church, I want to tell them, but then you'll just be another lost foreigner because the community of faith gathers together so that we might survive as foreigners, people in a world but not of the world. Otherwise, our souls become in danger. We lose our joy in life and our oneness with the Father is greatly threatened. We're coming to the table now to celebrate our loyalty to Jesus Christ. We're coming to remember that he died for us, to rededicate ourselves to following him as we remember his blood and his sacrificial life that he lived so that we might live like him. We're coming so that we might, as a spiritual people, grow and care and think and live like foreigners in a strange land. I know it's hard. It's difficult. And not all of us will make the same choices about what things in our world that are dangerous to our soul. But we must each make our own. For if we do not make them, we will just flow with the current of life around us. And that's dangerous.